This April, the Moonshot Podcast Network is doing something new, unparalleled, something nobody has done before. We're asking you for money. This month is the first ever Moonshot Patreon drive. Between April 1st and 30th, we're hoping to bring in 30 new and upgrading patrons to patreon.com slash moonshotnetwork. That's one per day. The money we make on Patreon is what helps our podcasters get things like new mics, show art, and music. It also helps us put on our bigger streaming events, advertise our shows, and think even bigger. If you know us, you know we like to think bigger. Join the Patreon in April and you'll get a bunch of drive-exclusive new podcasts, including actual plays, improv comedy, and a roundtable show with some of the hosts of our book talk shows like Three Little Words and Kahooligans. $5 Patreons get to join us for a game night on our Minecraft server on April 7th where we take down the Ender Dragon together. You hate that guy, so do we. Help us kill him. You'll also get access to all of our usual monthly output like Once Missed Wonders, early episodes of Champs in the Making, and more. So please join us or upgrade with us today on Patreon for $1, $3, or $5 at patreon.com slash Moonshot Network. Visit us on Patreon or at Moonshot Pods on Twitter for more details about the drive. Patreon.com slash Moonshot Network. And welcome back to another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your other host, Jane. And we're your favorite podcast, all about the books of Rick Riordan. Today, we're continuing The House of Hades. How are you, Jane? Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm curious about why you like enunciated Rick Riordan's name so much there. As if we usually cover another author on this podcast. <laughs> How did I do it? You were like, we, we talk all about the books of Rick Riordan. All right, everyone, listen up today. I'm going to be reading you a Rick Riordan story. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> Yay. That's actually not my only vocal quality that people are probably noticing. Uh, I My microphone did a little folly wally uh, the other day. It did day. two little folly wallies. Well, yeah, it, it had done a little folly wally, survived, and then did a, a second oopsie whoopsie. And so I'm using my laptop mic today. Sorry about that, everyone. But, you know. They'll deal with it. Yeah, you 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 can survive. You're you're hardened <laughs> podcast listeners. Your laptop microphone sounds a lot better than mine did for the the period early on where I was using it by mistake. I, <laughs> uh, I forgot all about that. Yeah, that sounded like shit. That might have also been because I was recording in a kitchen at the time. <laughs> you know, there's a good <laughs> chance. Well. Today, we don't have a lot of news, I don't think. We grow ever closer to the release of the Nico book. Uh, but for today, we just have this book. Just this book, which has absolutely no Nico content or anything relevant to Nico in it at all. It actually doesn't this week. It doesn't. Not at all. Well, maybe like thematically, but other than that. Other than that. Wait, what's this? Percy Jackson TV series facing the same problem Marvel dealt with for years. What the fuck does this mean? Oh... Oh, they're, oh, right, they're bitching about um, King Chronicles not being integrated into the, the Disney stuff. Who the Which, fuck cares? Who cares? Frankly, good. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, who cares? It's fine. <laughs> they don't, you don't need every single piece of, like, writing Rick Riordan has ever done to be adapted into. Like, you don't need the crossovers to be live action, too. 
Yeah, I... God. Yeah, I, I guess the, this means we'll never get the Demigods and Magicians adaptation. That one fucking short story. <laughs> oh, Jane, come on. Those are three short stories. Don't be so blasé. <laughs> I thought it was like one Demigod one, one House of Life one, and then a crossover one at the end. Uh, no. I've actually, I've actually read, I think, at least two of those, and that's incorrect. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, but we'll, we'll get there pretty, not, I guess not pretty soon, but like in a couple months, I think. Well, yeah, we've only got one, like, what, 500-page book between us and then? Yeah, yeah, must be. No, it's a shorter <laughs> book, I think. We, we, This is the last, like, lo- this is, like, the longest book, I think, that we have to get through. It's the longest. I am looking at my copy of Blood of Olympus up on the shelf. That is still a, a weighty boy. Oh, for sure, for sure. I'm eyeballing it. It looks at least as long as Son of Neptune. It's going to be long. Uh, <laughs> if, if I'm remembering correctly, the thing we said is that Heroes... Uh, House of Hades and Mark of Athena are the longest and exactly as long as each other. Yep. But that means that we just got to get through them. So how about I give you the summaries for this week? Hell yes. Which are also a bit weighty. So chapter 51, Leo. After losing a few days in Ogigia, barely eking out survival with only the help of Calypso always providing him home-cooked stew, cider, and custom-woven clothes, (laughs) Leo eventually sets up a lean-to and gets to work on figuring out how to leave. While wandering through the woods, he ends up tripping over a bunch of scrap metal from Hephaestus's workshop, possibly a gift from his dad. That gives him the kickstart he needs to get to work on forging a solution. All the while, Calypso is preventing him from starving to death, and even brings him a new fireproof set of his classic outfit. At the same time, he's been doing a lot of repairs around the island, fixing up her gardening tools and fountains. Uh, the project he's working on is a device that will let him see visions of the outside using the Archimedes sphere. And when it doesn't work immediately, Calypso sings a magic little song to help. They see a vision of Camp Half-Blood preparing for war, the Rowans marching nearby equipped with the Golden Eagle standard, and Reyna flying through a storm attacked by Ventai. The whole time, Calypso's getting more and more upset, first by being reminded of Percy, then when she assumes Reyna is Leo's girlfriend. The visions are cut off by the sudden appearance of Gaia. By this point, she's nearly awake. She promises that if Calypso kills Leo here, Gaia will grant her any wish, but instead, Calypso vanishes her. If Gaia wants him dead, he needs to get off this island and back to the quest immediately. Chapter 52, Leo. Leo and Calypso work together to build the guidance console he'll need to get out of Ogigia and back to his friends. Because of this, they get a lot of time to talk with each other. He offers her the chance to come with him, which of course she doesn't think she can because of the whole curse the gods put on her. Still, she says she doesn't really hate the Olympian gods as much as the other immortal deities. At least they visit. They also start a fun little joke about starting a garage slash restaurant together, which is normal and platonic. Uh, (laughs) Leo has her create a flame-proof pouch, probably to keep Frank's firewood in, and also a crystal from her cave, which he suspects is what will uh, power Odysseus's unfinished navigation device. Eventually, everything they're working on is finished, and Leo estimates that it'll only be another week before he's able to fully set sail. He also lets slip that he intends on using Odysseus's device to come back and save her, but Calypso can't get any joy from that. At that moment, the raft that only shows up when she falls in love appears. They hurry and equip it with the guidance console, she kisses him, and he leaves. No ceremony. As Leo watches the island grow smaller in the distance, he swears in the river Styx that he will come back for Calypso. Chapter 53, Annabeth. Nyx is a horrific being of darkness. So dark and scary, even her horses, which Percy can tell want to eat them, are made of shadow. 
She's gonna kill them, but Annabeth and Percy stall by pretending to be tourists of Tartarus. They're here to hit all the important spots, and Nick's not even on the brochure. When they quip about preferring Day to Night, Nyx gets extra pissed because Day is her daughter, so she summons all her scary kids for our heroes to see. Chapter 54, Annabeth. Eris, goddess of strife. Garrus, god of old age. Ari, demons, and a bajillion other baddies all appear, ready to tear Annabeth and Percy apart. But they keep up the tourist act and manage to get from Nyx that the only way to the doors of death lies inside of Nyx's mansion, the entrance to which floats in the abyss of chaos hundreds of feet below them. Annabeth realizes they're going to have to jump, so she causes a distraction by asking Nyx for a picture with her favorite and darkest child. All her kids get into a darkness spewing competition, and when it gets too hard for even Nyx to see through, our heroes take the leap. Chapter 55, Annabeth. Through some chance of fate, Annabeth and Percy land in the Mansion of Night instead of the Yawning Abyss. They make a run for it, eyes closed so they don't have to see the horror around them, and the whole time Annabeth's just thinking that compared to this, the Mark of Athena quest was a cakewalk. Eventually, she senses the exit is close, but before she can speed to her death, Percy stops her. Chapter 56, Annabeth. It's a good thing that Percy has water sense, because between them and their destination is the River Acheron, the River of Pain, where all the damned souls go. Just being around it fills Annabeth's head with all the deaths she feels she caused. Zoe Nightshade, Bianca D'Angelo, Michael Yu, Selena Beauregard, Luke Castellan. She's almost compelled to jump in and let herself be punished, but Percy snaps her out of it and says they've got to jump. It's 20 feet across, but when Percy leaves with Annabeth on his back, they somehow make it the whole way. Once they open their eyes, they see they've arrived, the heart of Tartarus. In the distance, but in sight, are the doors of death, and the tens of thousands of monsters who've gathered around them. They're jump-scared when a huge figure appears next to them, but it's just Bob, who got there via mysterious titan methods. They're all back together, and ready to see if the death mist will be enough to get them through the enemy army. So, Jane, what'd you think of these chapters? Leo Valdez continues to be the fucking standout character of this entire series, IMO. He really does! <laughs> Remember back in Lost Hero, when we were kind of down on Leo? Yeah, we thought he was like kind of one-dimensional, like not too, not too good at all. He was just kind of a little shit, and then it turns, turns out, out he is a little shit, but we like him for it. Exactly. My God, yeah. <laughs> uh, I I was like, I was worried about these chapters, but after reading them, I super enjoyed them. Definitely same. Can you is hear there the cat, cat in meowing? Your room? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not, not she's not in my room. She's just meowing outside of my door. <laughs> doing her, her little hello hello meows hello. yeah it sounds exactly like hello miss swampert <laughs> uh, but cats aside uh yeah yeah the leo chapters are great the annabeth chapters are it's weird um despite the fact that we read two leo chapters and four annabeth chapters i feel like i have so much more to say about the leo chapters Oh, same. Like, just by word count in my notes, way more about the Leo ones. I mean, also, like, they were just longer chapters in general compared to the Annabeth ones. The Annabeth chapters are short and, like, three things happen. Yeah, chapter 55, I probably could have summed up by just saying Annabeth and Percy run through the Mansion of Night and then they stop. Can I read you uh, the entirety of my notes for chapter 55? Please. Damn, we in a place. 
<laughs> they sure are in a place. <laughs> like, there's something to be said here, right? Like, a little bit of, like, there's a little bit of evocation going on of, like, oh, the unseeable horrors. If you if you open your eyes, like, you will be uh, forever cursed by the madness. But we, we've kind of already got that. We kind of already got that. And also, it feels really weird to do that right after we've had, like, uh, a classic... The, the first encounter in Tartarus we've had that is a goofy Percy Jackson encounter TM. Yeah. Which is weird to do for the one that was being hyped up as like, oh, this this god is even older and more powerful than Gaia. Yeah. Well, what do we think of that? Because that's... Is it is it kind of a letdown or is it more of like, this is just what they're all like, you know? I'm torn between kind of being disappointed that this wasn't more of the like existential horror stuff we've been getting with Tartarus. And the fact that, like, the bit is pretty funny. It's really funny. Like, <laughs> I, I... It's at so first fucking I, stupid. It's ridiculous. Like, at first I was kind of worried, like, oh, they're doing the, like, same old smart-ass thing they constantly do. But the just the idea of, like, oh, we're tourists through Tartarus is so fucking funny. Nyx's line at the end of um, chapter 53... Where she's like, marvel at how newsworthy I am. <laughs> like, I will never take you seriously as a villain, but that did make me giggle. Yeah, it's really good. My favorite, just like a moment that you completely do not expect from a fucking, uh, from a Rick Riordan kids book. Percy's like, are you going to let your horses eat us? Nick says, of course not. Such fine prizes, I will kill myself. And Anna says, oh, don't kill yourself. We're not that scary. <laughs> Annabeth, Annabeth is out here channeling high tier human. <laughs> God, that's really good. Uh, no, yeah, like I've never read the words "kill yourself." Like, in a, <laughs> like it's not like she was telling Nick to do that. But like, even the concept of suicide hasn't really super been brought up a lot in the series. Yeah, no, you get you get heroic sacrifices, but not any of the other kinds. It really gets you off guard. It's really good. Like, all of her summoning all of her children. <laughs> and first of all, shouts to Eris, my favorite, my favorite goddess. Uh, she gets <laughs> oh, the, yeah. world's, the world's smallest cameo, and I love her for it. <laughs> uh, and her brother. We're having Jacqueline cult moments. <laughs> Listen, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> Garrus, her rhymingly named brother. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's mostly, like, I think these chapters mostly survive on the bit, right? Definitely. Like, the um, the the sowing descent in them by them saying, like, let's take a picture with your favorite child. And that immediately causing them to, st A, start hitting each other, and also, like, all try to prove that they're the darkest one and make it so dark the person Annabeth can escape. It's, like, good on so many multiple levels. Like, it's pulling on the sort of, like, oh, of course, they're all just, like, a big family, so they so they quarrel. But also, like, you can't take a picture when it's dark. Like, <laughs> it's very funny. The, I, the, probably the meat of this is, like, when we get to chapter 56 and we actually see the heart of Tartarus mm. and the river Acheron too or Acheron or whatever the fuck you want to call it uh the, the Annabeth being like damn I've caused so much death like it's kind of a it's a little bit of a rerun of Percy's encounter with the R.I. Mm -hmm. uh, 
And also some of these deaths like definitely are not her fault. It's like, very funny that like if you haven't directly murdered anyone, the river just tries to nail you on like second degree manslaughter. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> your boyfriend definitely is the one who more directly killed most of these people. Yeah, um, no, I'm, I mean in case of Michael you directly. Yeah. You can absolutely like, get Percy like 20 years to life in prison for that one. He doesn't really care that much because he doesn't seem affected by the river at all. <laughs> like he just doesn't. He, he, Percy does. We, we're learning more about more about Percy. He doesn't think that much about stuff like this. <laughs> maybe I, maybe he's just like he's he's at the stage where he's like in such a constant state of trauma that he can't really stop to consider it. I think that's probably true. <laughs> uh, there's a bit of hubbub made. Annabeth is like. In a way that makes me think it's gonna be some type of mystery, Annabeth is like, wait, but how did Percy get across the 20-foot river? I didn't have time to think about it before Bob showed up, basically. Hmm. Uh, and I... Do you have a theory? Is this anything? I I don't know. I, I assumed it was just, like, somehow water powers. Like, I don't know, maybe maybe he made a bunch of the steam from the river evaporate and it, like, went up his trouser legs and floated him. Uh, yeah, that's possible. The way... <laughs> The way that this whole thing is framed by, like, Annabeth and Percy having to close their eyes, though, makes it just a bit more mysterious in a way that is, like, Percy could be doing something fucked up and weird, and, like, we wouldn't know. He probably is doing something fucked up and weird. It, more and more these days we're saying this about Percy. <laughs> the fucked up and weird boy. A little bit fucked up and weird. Speaking of fucked up and weird, Bob's back, yay. Yay, Bob, yay! He's... <laughs> He's diagonal and such. She's going diagonally through places. What the fuck does this mean? I don't know. Annabeth's like, let me guess. You got here sideways, and he's like, no, more like diagonal. And I, d neither of those mean anything to me, which I guess it's, is the point. But he's a titan. Maybe he can just like clip through the terrain if he hits it at the right angle. I guess I didn't realize that was a thing that titans could do. <laughs> I, d I don't know why. Maybe this is uh, gods. Gods feel like more ethereal, but for some reason, I don't think of titans and giants as like materially slippery as other as like the Olympians and such. Yeah, the Olympian the Olympians can turn into a ball of light that disintegrates you if you look at it and fly away. We've never seen the titans do anything like that. No, we haven't. Which is, or maybe we have once, and I've forgotten about it. But it, it hasn't I shown up enough. Like that. Yeah, but it hasn't. It, definitely nothing like that's shown up for it to make an impact. They're usually just big guys. Mm -hmm. Like famously, Typhon was more than a big guy. He was a giant, but like that, it's strange, right? Like it, Titans have speedrun abilities, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. Why through Tartarus specifically? Because is it because he's a janitor of Hades? Is that why? But I thought that nobody went. I thought that even Titans didn't like to go down here. I I don't know. Maybe he like slipped into one of the arteries or something. Because they're in the heart. They are. Or I guess it'd be the vein if it takes him there. I just love the idea of like vein travel, like <laughs> someone like slipping and sliding through a circulatory system. I do love the idea of, like, Bob's on the slip and slide and he's, like, under the blood, but he's having to, like, hold small Bob up and the only thing you can see is his hand and holding small Bob above the surface of the blood. <laughs> yes, that's really good. Oh, yeah, his small Bob is still here. Yay. 
taken no damage. Good little, good little kitty. Weird little skeleton cat. Love him. Love him. I guess. Okay. Let's her Which of these deaths is Annabeth the most responsible for? Which of these should she jump into the river about, if any? <laughs> Let's have a look. Is it Zoe? She didn't even know Zoe. She didn't know Zoe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I. That's that's her. She was holding up the sky. She was holding up the sky. Zoe was partly just there because they like had to stop the Titans. That's this is only like half her fault. I guess it's kind of her fault because she fell for the thing where Luke was like, hey, take the sky off me for a minute at the start of the book. Yeah, pretty silly. Like, in the same way that, like, yeah, I guess every bad thing that happened in that book was kind of Annabeth's fault because of that, but... I don't know. I think Bianca D'Angelo is a fairly clear case of Darwinism. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... You don't steal fucking mythomagic figures from Hephaestus. You really shouldn't. You could say, like, Annabeth, you know, her thing is hubris. Her thing is that she wants to be in charge of everything. Mm. Uh, and so, like, any deaths that happen that she feasibly at all maybe could have prevented in any sense, like, she finds herself responsible for. I also, yeah, I, that, I guess that makes sense. I and mean, it is kind of, like, all pinned back onto um, onto Luke. Because the river's like, you could have prevented all of their deaths, you should have seen a better way. And the implication seems to be it's kind of like the same thing that Hermes has been on her about. Which was like, she didn't single-handedly give Luke a redemption arc. Yeah. It's really interesting how tormented she is by that still. Mm. And I... On one hand, I I find myself like chafing against that a little bit, because like... I, I, I'm of two minds because I think that it is it is good that she did not just like drop this feeling or thought or like important relationship mm. after, because the series changed, right? <laughs> um, which could easily have happened. Like Percy with Grover. <laughs> like, yeah. Like Percy <laughs> with Grover. And also I'm glad that like it, and it also it makes sense that she would feel like this. But on the mm. same time, like, is it the story at this point? Like, is it is it sort of like the the writer her? Uh, whoa, <laughs> the writer himself. Sorry, writer, for misgendering you. <laughs> uh, is it the writer himself sort of being like, well, Annabeth fucked up here? I hope that's not. I I I hope that it is just like is the river spewing bullshit at you? Because it does seem like the so. river just tries to needle you, however it can. Yeah, like it tries to nail her on the the monsters, and she's like, "No, that was self defense." And the river just like moves on because it realizes she doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, it it try it's more like an overwhelming like we'll we'll send every ba- little bad thing that's ever happened at you and see which one sticks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't really read it as like being punished by the narrative or whatever, uh, but you know it's important to consider, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Do you think Percy saw Phineas? <laughs> He did straight up murder that guy, like not even manslaughter like with Michael Yu. He killed him. He did. <laughs> At a certain point, when does a mortal man become a monster? <laughs> right, like like That's what he tells himself before he goes to bed. Yeah, it must be. <laughs> like he sh- he should really like commiserate with this with like the fucking uh, lost hero crew because not all pe- they're they're constantly killing mortals. Yeah, they killed Medea, they killed Midas. 
If they came down here, they'd have been fucked. <laughs> yes, yes. No, they'd be fine with it because they got used to it. Percy isn't used to it the same way. <laughs> or I guess he is because he doesn't care. Yeah, he doesn't give a shit. Uh, yeah, no, actually, they'd have been fine. It should have been those four down in Tartarus. They'd have cakewalk. Yeah, they should have... Jason should have flown down, like done like a reverse momentum thing where he flipped around, chucked Annabeth onto the ship, and then just like let himself let himself fall down with Percy. <laughs> they they could have finally had their promised Mark of Athena duel. God, yeah. The the, the civil war finally begins in Tartarus. <laughs> it's just them slap fighting over who gets to drink the fire river first. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> The girls are fighting. <laughs> you have much else to say about the Annabeth chapters? No, they're just they're mostly just fun. They're they're successful fun, so good work Definitely. there, Rick Riordan. Uh Leo. Leo is um you know those uh, shitty mobile game ads you get where like the the level one scrawny male washes up on an island and then finds a little bit of raw material and starts like building out and building a little civilization. And levels up to a level 50, has a titan for a girlfriend or whatever. Yeah, yeah, the classic <laughs> Minecraft journey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that is what he's doing. He, it's really <laughs> funny, like, seeing his progression here. Everyone is, like, this is another little bit of a framing of, like, Frank gets hot, Leo gets hot, like. What? The, he, like, oh, I see, I see. I thought you were making a pun about Leo being on fire and I was confused. No, no, I'm saying literally the text, like, we start off, like, by focusing on how he's, like, scrawny. He's, like, scrawny and he doesn't like how he looks, but then he's like, oh, I got so rugged. I got I got cool and rugged and Calypso liked me. Yeah, I, I mean, let's, let's talk about this. Let's dive into this. <laughs> I guess, sh- should we just start with Calypso and Leo relationship and how it progresses? Yeah, yeah, definitely. This is uh, an unstoppable Sundere meeting another immovable Sundere. Yeah, it kind of is, huh? <laughs> Unfortunately, your your prediction that this was finally the faded uh, girl who just doesn't like you uh, was, was proven <laughs> wrong. Uh, it would have been really funny if that was true. It would have been. Uh, yeah, so Leo, Leo and Calypso, like fall in love through the power of just like working on shit together and telling jokes mostly they they tell jokes they have a little project that they do together uh and they they bond over like having meals together and stuff it's actually unexpectedly very sweet no it is really sweet i was not because i knew that there basically wasn't anywhere to go with this other than they fall in love right Uh um and I I had some concerns with this going in. Maybe I still have some of those concerns. Uh-huh. Mostly based on like, okay, do we need to pair everyone off in a romantic relationship? Like, is this the end goal <laughs> of this whole book? Leo, you know, he has to be in a heterosexual relationship. He has to be like, he has to uh, find his, his perfect lady. I think there are a lot of pitfalls that this could have fallen into that it largely doesn't. Mm-hmm. Largely, you I, say. Yeah, I mean it's. I mean those things are still true, right? Yeah, like definitely. this is, this is like all right. We need to put Leo's not paired off yet. We need to pair Leo off, or bringing up Calypso to pair him off with. 
Yeah, we're not going to take the, like, seventh wheel thing and make that into a, like, well, maybe you don't need to be in a romantic relationship. Maybe there there are other more, more fulfilling things you can do with your time. And, which, I guess kind of just leaves Nico for that role, if that gets filled, <laughs> which, hmm. A little bit fucked up. Give, give Nico, don't, don't do that immediately after having Nico come out, please. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess maybe if that is what happens, it... Rick Ryden apologizes by writing an entire book about Nico getting a romantic relationship. This is possible, yeah. <laughs> um, and the, yeah, I their relationship itself is so sweet. Like I, I, there's something so charming to me about like people who snap at each other, uh, falling in love. Like I, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I realize there's probably some unhealthy thing there. Uh, but you get what I mean, right? Oh yeah, definitely. It's it's not a case of like these two don't like each other and therefore they must be in love. It's just the case that like Leo is an abrasive little shit bag and Calypso is kind of bouncing off that. Yeah, in a way that I actually really enjoy. I'm glad that like I'm glad that we we talked about this last episode. Like they they take and they give. Hmm. Um, and I'm glad that these are like longer chapters, so we get to spend more time with them. Uh, there's like a lot of good images here happening, like Leo just like camping out for like 48 hours, working nonstop without realizing it, uh, <laughs> like ha- having like his hands on fire with a makeshift forge, like his clothes all burned off because he forgot that he was on fire. He is he is literally hyper focusing on this. Yes, he is. This is he should go on the hyperfixation and discuss <laughs> fucking forging or something. You should discuss robot dragons. Yeah. It'd be pretty cool actually. People who go on the hyperfixation to talk about robots are cool. People should do that. I don't know. That <laughs> sounds like a, a really weird concept, kind of, but I think that if the if the right person did it, it could go off successfully. <laughs> Listen to uh Jane's episode of the Hyperfixation talking about Gumpla. <laughs> I like going, speaking of like um, them kind of dancing around their feelings for each other, I really like um, in chapter 51 where like Calypso lists off a bunch of shit that uh, like Leo has done around the island. And it's like, hey, why did you fix the fountain and also my curtains and also sharpen all my garden tools? And I like that um, Leo doesn't tell us he's done those things like Calypso does to kind of bring across that he's kind of embarrassed that he did them. Right, like, he's not presenting that information to, like, the reader through a mm-hmm. sort of third-person point of view or anything like that. Uh, it, it comes up because he does it, e- not effortlessly, but, like, it is kind of effortless, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he does it just out of sort of a, just, it, oh, it's na- it's natural for him to do that. Like, he does that naturally. And that is a very charming thing. Like, somebody, like, that is an easy dynamic to fall into with someone just doing, like, you know, like, oh, yeah, of course I did these little things. Like, these are uh, to use, like, outdated, uh, never actually true, uh, like, language about stuff. Like, this is a love language, right? <laughs> <laughs> Man, why you gotta do Leo like that? <laughs> no, no, you know what I mean. He's doing, I know what like, you mean. I know what you mean. He's doing, like, acts of affirmation or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> But he's not even doing it, like, on purpose. He just does it because that's what he does, and that's what's so charming about him to her. Yeah, definitely. What do you think of... I mean, there's an aspect of this, which uh, is that she is, like... 
feeding him and making him clothes and like reminding him like hey don't work too much or you'll you know you gotta sleep uh like a lot of very like traditional sort of feminine feminized like roles be happening i like i th that's kind of like it's established that that's what calypso is doing and then as soon as uh leo asks her to help with like the the stuff that he's doing she immediately puts on like some jeans and a t-shirt and is like in the fucking trenches with him yeah and i like that there's that it, it means that calypso is like it doesn't it doesn't take away from the value of like the the other stuff that you were mentioning before, but it shows that that's not all she is. Right, because if the entire thing had been like Leo works on this while she is being his cheerleader in the background, that would suck. Uh, that would suck, and that's not what this is. So it kind yeah. of it sets us up and then uh, sort of swerves away from that, which I'm glad for. Yeah, um, definitely. And just. Like, their whole running bit about the garage and the restaurant, like, you could sing a song and I could uh, light myself on fire sometimes <laughs> as entertainment. It's very good, and it it kind of hits when Leo, um, when they, like, they have a discussion about the fact that Calypso still can't leave the island, and Leo tries to, like, slip back into the rhythm of joking about the garage slash restaurant, and Calypso just, like, doesn't answer. Yeah. It's fucked up. Yeah. Sad. It, it it is. Um, I mean, part of this we get to we get to know more of Calypso's character here too, and sort of understand her a bit more when mm. um, when Gaia shows up. <laughs> I love this bit so much. Yeah, just Leo's first instinct when Gaia appears is to just throw whatever he's holding at her, which in this case is a <laughs> pair of pliers. Yeah. What if he had just like beaten her? Then what if that had been enough to stop her? <laughs> Listen, a fucking hairbrush worked on Kronos. God, you're right. <laughs> it's a it's a good trend. You should you should always like tr start small, see if it works out, then sort of build up from there. <laughs> you know, they say to storm or fire, uh, the the earth will fall or whatever at whatever. So maybe this will be the moment the fire beats the earth. Yeah, it's it's very good. Leo's self esteem is so fucked. Uh huh. Like, he. It's not as if, like, Calypso is his number one fan at this point, but the fact that he is so certain that she will take Gaia's deal and just kill him so that she can be with Percy again is kind of worrying. Yes, yes, it is. I mean, this is super in confluence with, like, a. Like, the thing from the end of last chapter where he's talking about how, like, oh, she would have been all over Jason. Yeah, yeah. Um, which. Leo's perception of women, uh, <laughs> maybe a bit, maybe a bit minimizing of them as people. A little bit, uh, the, but you know, uh, and he is literally he, a basement dwelling loser. He spends he all his really time in Bunker is. Nine. Yes, <laughs> he kind of lets that fall away eventually. Uh, like he still, although by the time that he realizes that she has fallen in love with him, he doesn't really get. He doesn't really get the time to process that because that's how the island's curse works. Um, like he, he is still in disbelief in a way that like Percy wasn't. Yeah, because for Percy it was like a choice. Like he could just get up and leave whenever he kind of wanted to, and he just kind of had a time pressure on it that meant that he had to. Whereas with Leo, the way it pans out is like as soon as he realizes that he's getting stuffed on the the raft and he's gone. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a, a very different kind of pain for both of them. 
It really is. Yeah. And I, this really illustrates how, like, how much of a curse this really is, I think. Mm. Um, just because, like, you you can, like, pinpoint the exact line where I am in love with Leo, like, cemented itself in her. The line after the raft shows up. Look, you can see the exact moment where her heart splits in half. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, God, it's, it's really... Because it must be the same thing to her at this point. Like, heartbreak and love are the same thing. Yeah. That's, God, that, that's that is what this curse is. Um, but to go back to uh, Gaia and sort of Calypso's character development, she gets to demonstrate that, like, she is still basically reformed, quote-unquote, I guess. Like, she's still yeah. a good person. Yeah, as we did hear about, like, in Tartarus, like, uh, her, like, cursing Percy and Annabeth. But like that, that seems to have been if if it did happen was like a momentary thing. It was not like oh she's evil and fucked up now. Yeah, I mean, and she's obviously I like this too. She's obviously still angry about it because she talks about it when when Leo shows up. <laughs> like she's she talks about like she talks about basically Percy uh, when when Leo shows up. Yeah, yeah, and how she's pissed off because she he, she didn't get it taken off the island. And when uh, the visions are being shown, and she, first of all, Leo's big stupid mouth, he brings up Percy, uh, obviously yep. a bad move. Uh, and he gets mad at Percy here. He's like, hey, I, I'm like, so, like, he gets mad at Percy the way that we were mad at Percy in the last couple episodes. <laughs> yeah, for being a jackass who just kind of wandered yeah. off and never came back. Exactly. I and like I like that we still see that Calypso still has some unresolved feelings about Percy. It kind of it calls back to something that I really liked about the original Calypso chapter was that it like it didn't judge Percy for thinking about maybe staying with Calypso, like from a romantic perspective. It yes. was like, no, you have to go back to your one true love, which is Annabeth. And like it treated that as a legitimate thing that he could do. And that same thing is kind of extended to Calypso here. Like, the narrative isn't judging her for still being kind of torn up about Percy and also uh, having feelings for Leo. I think I like it's good when that happens. I like it. No, I completely agree. And I also like that the, the, the distinction is drawn between the narrative and the character here, mm. uh, where you can tell that Calypso has very much um, sort of internalized this as people leaving her for their one true loves. Mm. Uh, because she sees Reyna and is like, oh, is that is that your... Uh, like, is that your Elizabeth? Is that your Penelope? Is that your Annabeth? Which is an insane thing to say about a person who Leo has met, like, twice. Yeah, she just, like, <laughs> sees any guy look that she likes looking at a girl and is, like, she's kind of jealous. She has jealousy issues, probably for, like, a fine reason. It's okay that she has these issues. Yeah, no, I can see where that came from. There's no invisible therapist on Ogigia. Although, speaking of Calypso's past loves... I do. It, it. Leo pulls off a classic scumbag move here, uh-huh. where he like he has Odysseus's astrolabe, and is like, "Hey, could you give me some stuff to take away with me to make sure that this thing works so I can get back here?" But he doesn't tell her that Odysseus built it. Yeah, he's not like, "Yeah, Odysseus was trying to get back to you. He did his very best." He's just like, uh, "I thought of this." Is this a scumbag move, or is because he doesn't even really say that he thought of it? 
He's just like, is this a scumbag move or is this just him not wanting to like hurt her more by being like, oh yeah, uh, your very, very, very long dead ex wanted to come back to you but never could. I I think it's a little bit of a scumbag move. That's in fair. A, in a way that I find funny. Hey, can I can I tangent really fast about something I've been thinking of that has nothing to do with these chapters at all? Go for it. And then we go back to uh, this sort of scene with Gaia. Yeah, yeah. So, I just, I was talking about Odysseus reminded me of it. Remember, do you remember the structure of the underworld? Uh, vaguely. And how there's like, there's not just Elysium where all the heroes go, but there's also the Isles of the Blessed, mm. where if you choose to get reincarnated three times and achieve Elysium three times, you go there. Yeah. Is it kind of weird that resurrection has never really come up in this like series at all? It is kind of weird, actually, isn't it? Because, like, I guess reincarnation is just a canon thing, but it never happens. Well, we never like, see any of it. Yeah, I was thinking about this at work the other day. Like, because you would think Percy Jackson as, like, a character, you would think that he... The very traditional thing to do is for him to be, like, a reincarnation of an old hero, right? Which I'm really glad that he's not, and I hope they never reveal that he is. But... The interesting thing is we've seen so many ghosts and versions of old heroes at this point that it's almost impossible for him to be. Hmm. Yeah. Like, and I think that's really interesting. Like, we, uh, unless there's like a hero who I just haven't noticed that we've never seen some like of, um, but it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like Percy is ever going to go to the Isles of the Blessed unless we reveal that like in his past life he was like a really, really good goat herd with Pete Delisium or something. <laughs> he would be a good goat herd. I mean he gives us good at managing yeah. Grover. <laughs> That's completely irrelevant, but I do think it's an interesting element of the series that is never, ever, ever discussed or touched on or relevant at all. I mean, I guess it might just be because the series has taken place over such, like, a short span of time that, like, statistically speaking, all of Percy's friends who died and then reincarnated are still toddlers. I suppose that's true, yeah. <laughs> like, Beckendorf well, is, like, a... what, three? Yeah, I mean, that's a very classic, like, shonen anime thing, though, right? Like, the, mm. one of the ma major heroes reincarnate. We see this in Hunter x Hunter. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I was just thinking about the other, that the other day. Sorry for the big tangent. No, it's it's cool. It's fine. Anyway, uh, we also learn Calypso's opinion on the gods more so here after she banishes uh, banishes Gaia. This is insane. Yeah. Uh, why the fuck would Calypso's argument for, well, the, the, the Olympians are good, be, oh, well, they come to visit me in the prison that they put me in. Unlike the Titans, they don't come and visit me because the Olympians killed or imprisoned them all. You know, I didn't think about that bit. <laughs> I I was like, you know what? She's got a point. But yeah, they. <laughs> yeah, no, this is the this is ridiculous. They've been giving her the Kool Aid. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I I guess, and I guess it makes sense that she is just like, it's been three thousand years, and these are the only people she regularly interacts with, and she's like, well, I guess I like you more than the people I don't remember from three thousand years ago now. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, yeah. I, and it's not like she has no relatives who could visit her. Uh, like she, she chucks a hairbrush, not a hairbrush. Uh, she banishes 
she banishes Gaia and is like, fuck you, grandma. Like, so reminded <laughs> that Gaia is her grandma. This is true. And Gaia never visited her. Like, n- none of that side ever did either. So it seems I mean, like... Fair, Gaia, Gaia does explain why she didn't, although I'm not certain I believe her. Uh-huh. Because she's like, well, you know, the Earth is slow to wake and I've been preparing for war, so I haven't been able to. On the other hand, I guess this chapter does have the bit where Leo is like, hey, you lied to me, like, twice about, like really weird and easily provable things that were just wrong <laughs> what is it the earth is such a liar <laughs> and not even a good liar she shit at it yeah she just does it for fun for no reason <laughs> your father died your gra- great-grandfather died in the 60s no he didn't well i tricked you <laughs> <laughs> just saying shit and being like this is my grand plan <laughs> I think, well, they're the ones who visited is a very human motivation that I do like. Mm-hmm. But it is, it, it it fits a bit strangely. I I think that there is a way that you could make Calypso is, is closer to the Olympian side work, which would maybe be like, like, I, th- I think it would like help play into like her mixed feelings about Percy if she was like, well, I know that Percy was trying to like bully them into doing some reforms. And, like, I believe that he could make them better than the Titans would ever be. And kind of mm-hmm. him leaving the island shows that he, as much as it hurt me, it shows that he has the kind of drive to do something like that. But that doesn't come up. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> it's not even really subtext. No. Nope. Like, it's, it's just kind of not present. Uh, but that would have been interesting, I think. Yeah. And I guess one more thing to say about, like, Leo uh, in these chapters. I mean, I have a few more things to say. Oh, yeah. But... I, I want to talk about Leo's, like, there is a little bit happening where it's like, Leo gets handsome, right? A little uh, like, bit. And I, I, I have some mixed feelings about that, because the way that this is done is like, oh, he loses, like, some of the baby fat, because he is, like, uh, not eating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not great. Like, and I, I, I don't know. I can't tell. What is this? The Is this sort of being framed, like, uh, because he's like he's more rugged now because he's not eating. Like, is this being framed like that, or am I am I insane? I I I th- I think there is like a dimension of that that is like not great. But I also think like the the I kind of like the way these chapters went for uh, Leo in the sense that like it felt like, kind of like I hate to use this framing, but it kind of feels like a reverse Neville Longbottom situation. Oh yeah, where like he is this like he's this like nerd and he's this loser, and then the way that he solves that problem is that he simply becomes a cool action hero, whereas Leo is a nerd and a loser, and what seems to basically play out in these chapters is that that's fine, as long as he like he stays true to that part of himself and is like just good to the people around him, and that kind of means that like nice meaningful bonds form for him, and I really enjoy that. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I hadn't thought about it like that, but that's really nice. You're right. Like, that is exactly what's happening here. Leo is being Leo, and that is, like, that is what makes people want to be, like, friends with him or make people fall in love with him, you know? Or make them fucking hate him. Yeah. <laughs> but they're all genuine relationships, at the least, because Leo yeah. is a very genuine character. This is true. Like, that's why he's so good. Leo is, Leo is always be, just being Leo. Everybody is in Leo's world. 
They're in Leo world. I'm saying this. I'm always saying this. God. Speaking of weird Leo terminology, I did like the, the little callback to Team Leo at the start of chapter yeah. 51. Yes. <laughs> it's been a while. God. Oh, it has been a while. It's been a book, I guess. <laughs> uh, oh, you know, speaking of like Leo very casually doing like nice things for people, he just out of nowhere being like, hey, uh, could you make a fireproof pouch? Uh, no reason. Like, he's oh, just yeah, making yeah. a thing to help Frank and Hayley. Like, he he doesn't even, like, we don't get him, like, thinking about it or having the moment of realization where he should do that. He just, like, does it. He just has her do it. Like, I'm sure part of that is just so that it can be a reveal later. But also, yeah, it's 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 nice that he's just offhanded, like, oh, yeah, uh, could you grab me this so that Frank doesn't fucking die? Yeah, this is... Man, Leo is the best character in these books. Yeah, yeah. I also, I was the, the in at, in chapter fifty one. Uh, Leo does a lot of thinking about like why Kion sent him here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was thinking like, just while we were talking about like this being like him basically staying true to himself and stuff. I wonder if like Kion's thing was like, well, Leo rejected me, and he's like a really annoying asshole. So I'll send him to the island, and then Calypso will never fall for him, and he'll be stuck there forever. And that plan kind of ended up backfiring, because it turns out that Leo is actually kind of likable if you're not a huge dick. I think that's exactly right, yeah. <laughs> like, I think that's... that's I, I think that she, she must have known where she was sending him, and she must have known about the curse. Uh, so it makes sense that she'd want him to, like... Because of how much of the first two chapters especially were framed around like, well, I would never fall in love with this freak. <laughs> uh, like, like, it makes, I think that it, that sounds exactly right. Especially because, like, she had the drop on him. She could have, like, just killed him unless she had a specific plan for this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we have to talk about how this ends, too. Mm. Like, we talked a little bit about the raft showing up, but uh, her kissing him, him being super surprised, and then just, like, dazed and having to, like... God, okay. Him sailing out to sea, watching the island in the distance, and then swearing on the river sticks that he will come back and get her. Man. That's... That's fucked up. He's gonna die. If anyone could do it, Leo could do it. That's true. He does He does have all the stuff he stole from Odysseus to help. Yes. <laughs> I, I feel like if anyone could bully the gods, uh, like annoy the gods enough to actually finally do it, it could be Leo. That's true. Hephaestus is his dad. He can just bug him about this. Yeah. Like, like Hephaestus could fucking bring it to Zeus's table or whatever. Be like, listen, I... I know you completely forgot about this girl thousands of years ago, but just but sign these papers. Don't don't worry about it. My kid keeps setting fire to my forge, and like it's not hurting me or anything, but it's really annoying. <laughs> God, yeah. I it's been a while since we've gotten the drop of like the promise on the river sticks. Mm, yeah, uh, and especially from like a main main character. Um, and I this just hits so well. I think. Yeah, um, because. Because it's something that we know is impossible. There, There is nothing cooler than a character swearing to do something impossible to do right by someone they care about. Exactly. And this is this is an inversion of how Percy goes, right? Mm. Percy leaves Ogigia and uh, he swear he doesn't really swear anything, but he 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 leaves and he has 
the plant. The plant is sort of his version of this, I think. Something yeah. that is incredibly easy to do. Something that he does fulfill. And that has a connection with Calypso, but that he doesn't actually have to actively think about too much. Yeah, it's it's more like this is this is the piece of him that he'll take away from here and kind of like keep with him. So it's like accepting that he has to go. Whereas Leo was like, fuck that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's important to remember, Percy never built that garden. <laughs> well, I mean, he he lives in an apartment in New York. He built as big a garden as he possibly could. Yes, you're right. <laughs> I he, he did build a New York garden, but he could have found a fucking empty parking lot or something and <laughs> irrigated it. <laughs> Jeffrey Gate, I know he has water powers, but he can't irrigate tarmac. <laughs> You know what? I've I've read the Dark Tower. I know that things can sprout in mysterious places. I I think that you I guess you're probably right. I think metaphorically he did build a garden, but I I, I wanna give him shit right now compared to Leo. <laughs> uh anything else to say about these chapters? Oh, we see Camp Half Blood briefly. Oh yeah, we do. Yeah, and the and, and the Romans too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see Clarice! Clarice is seems to be in charge of Camp Hoffler's defenses, which I love for her. Yes. Just I'm always, I'm always happy with Clarice content. Same, same. I hope we see her before the end of the series. It would suck <laughs> if we got to the end of this and she does not have even a minor role in a single book. Yeah. I maybe next book. <laughs> I guess that's the last one. Maybe uh, maybe, maybe she'll she's be a, a big major character, character in Trials of Apollo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and we see, of course, we also see uh, the Romans, They and they have the Golden Eagle standard, which Leo is very scared of. Yeah, good job, Percy. You gave them, like, the cool big <laughs> weapon that they used to destroy Camp Half-Blood. Nice going. You know, he didn't think about it too hard. <laughs> I also, I like, we see Chiron briefly, and, like, um, Leo says, oh, his normally kindly face looked very grim. And I have to wonder if, like, Chiron ever looks anything but grim. He seems pretty miserable every time we see him. Are we sure he ever actually looks kindly? I'm just imagining, like, jolly, happy old Uncle Chiron, like, <laughs> in, like, the seven months that uh, they were at Camp Half-Blood or whatever. He's just chilling out. He's playing Pinochle with Mr. D. It's the happiest time yeah. of his life. And then it all goes to shit again. Yes. And we uh, we see uh, Rena. Yep, she's dead. She's she did die, so that's sad. Her horse. Well, I mean, her horse gets fucked up, and she's like in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. And but unlike, there's other good Romans, right? Unlike other better, cooler characters, she can't build a fucking jetpack while falling into the ocean. We don't know that. <laughs> I suppose we. What don't. if she lands on Ojigia immediately after? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, the second Leo is over the horizon, it's just a crater. <laughs> Leo, like, she somehow lands on, like, all of her gardening tools, the the fountain, the the curtain rod, uh, the dining table, everything that Leo fixed. She just uh, bounces. And, yeah. <laughs> and the, the two options are she either, like, bounces back up into the sky and lands somewhere else, and the Calypso is just like, what the fuck just happened? Uh, or else Leo gets back here and finds that like Calypso and, Calypso and Reina have just chosen to live a happy life together and they've forgotten about him completely. Calypso is like, man, I, I, I. This is why I was so jealous of you. Actually, uh, it's because uh, I really wanted to be with Reina. <laughs> it could be true. 
I do think the first option is much funnier, though. I I do think so. <laughs> but yeah, uh, do you think do you think he'll make it back, or do you think he'll uh, be the first River Sticks curse we finally see? I hope it's not. <laughs> I I know I'm always saying let's let's see the consequences of some of the fucked up shit this series has threatened. I don't want that for Leo. Yeah. Do that to a character I like less. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <sighs> I think that'll be it for today. I think so. Should we move on to our segment? Yeah, it's not says hat time. It's not says hat time. Have you got a pick for this week? Let me think. I mean, I want to give it to Eris, right? <laughs> I mean, you can do that. Oh, I'll give it to Eris, sure. Fuck yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it to Leo. Uh, because as as Calypso says, no man finds Ojijia twice. So I think that the way that Leo will uh, find his way back oh is by God. doing some soul searching, uh, realizing that he's trans, uh, and then that way uh, Leo can return to the island. Leo, yes, <laughs> I, yeah, autistic trans girl Leo, come on, <laughs> make it real, make it happen. We say this about every character. <laughs> I say this about Frank. Leo's a trans girl. Percy, maybe. And that's not every character. That's not. That's like three characters. I wonder if... I feel like I've moved more to the position now of like... Percy is like a legitimately really good cishet ally, I think. Yeah, I think so, right? <laughs> I I don't... Yeah, I guess that's fine. I really like those images of uh, of trans girl Percy that, that went around Those are really Ibaka. good. Percy being like, well, I've been waiting for the offer from the Heart Hunters of Artemis. No. <laughs> so good. Those are very good. Our intro and outro is Super Mario Ocean by Space Pony. You can find that at OC Remix. Our cover art is by Vera at Innsmouth underscore in on Twitter. We're hosted by the Moonshot Podcast Network. You can find them at moonshotpods.com. Listen to some of their good old shows. Uh, and yeah, we're streaming also constantly, basically every single day of the week. We're do- and we're at the tail end of our uh, Patreon drive, which we've succeeded. We've we've done the goal for, but you can still sign up for the Moonshot Patreon if you want to. Didn't I saw I saw Andrew tweeting something that was like, didn't um, the Moonshot Patreon drive actually get like net more subscribers than like more the, the amount of people who signed up for Twitter Blue in a certain period of time? Yes, <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> Uh, if you would uh, like to, if you would like to just make that humiliation even worse, you can go to uh, you can you can go to their Patreon, uh, <laughs> or you can support us. I mean, you can do both. Actually, it's not an Andor situation, uh, an Andor situation. Interesting. Being locked in a prison and forced to only listen to one Wise Girls is an Andor situation. <laughs> That's like if Andor had on Wise Girls to get through the fucking Tarkina Seven or whatever. I think he'd been fine. Maybe that's Maybe what Bix did. was listening to. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I Why? might make that edit now. Oh. But please do. <laughs> but also, I, I think I think our podcast inspired Andor to a revolutionary spirit. <laughs> Twitter.com slash unwisegirls where you can find us. Uh, and probably that edit eventually. Uh, where... We've got links to our uh, socials, our Discord server, our email, our all of our things, all of our posts, all of our updates, all of our visual companions. You can find that there. 
Uh, if you want to support us, you can leave a five-star rating and review on your podcast app of choice. You can tell a friend about us, or you can go to patreon.com slash unwisegirls for a little bit of monetary support, where for a dollar a month, you can get the Discord role of Camp Counselor. For $3 a month, you can get the Discord role of Bacchus's cho- nope. <laughs> friend of Bacchus, as well as all of our bonus content. We are uh, continuing our watch through of Black Sails. Like we would just started season four it's so depressing we would we, we desperately need uh, you to support us on this journey that's did right I, did i tell you i went to the library yesterday and i like sat down and like looked to my left and there was a copy of treasure island on the shelf next to me really really it's fortuitous we will be doing a treasure <laughs> island episode uh after we finish the season yeah uh in like three episodes god yeah and for five dollars a month you can get the Discord role of Venus is Chosen, all of our bonus content, and a special thank you at the end of every episode. Speaking of which, this week we'd like to thank Simcoe, I Love Sammy's Great, Danny, Tana, Mercy, Veronica, Friend, Bree, and Erica. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And as we always say, at the end of every single episode... See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. Bye. 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 everybody it's me ken i use she and him pronouns uh and i'm here to talk about clowns the anime slash manga ken Ashra. i am ready to talk about some animorphs roma have you ever heard of the <gasps> art movement of dadaism interest in a musician group called exociety it's you yeah the brain one that i would like to deliver you to you today is um gundam and or gumpla I became aware of a series of novels that people told me about called Discworld. Hey, Lewis, what are we talking about? Aragon. Aragon! Welcome to the Hyperfixation, where we invite our friends onto our show to tell us about what they're excited about so we can acquire an approximate knowledge of many things. New episodes out every Wednesday morning and up to five days early for patrons. Normalize info dumping and learn something new with us today thanks to the Moonshot Network.